is conscious awareness of what animal is showing up during the course of a week. If you're having a conversation and someone brings up ladybug and you turn on your television and there's a commercial that is somehow has ladybugs all over. And then you, you know, go to water your plants and there's a ladybug in your plants. It's like, okay, hello, this guide is revealing. This guide must have a message for me. Welcome back to an all new season of Off the Gram, the show where we bring you straight into the trenches with us to help you live your best life, channel your inner girl boss, and navigate the ever changing landscapes of wellness and social media. Internationally renowned shaman, best selling author of Animal Power and Animal Deck, and host of Ceremony Circle podcast, Allison Charles, went from being a national champion athlete, top rated radio host, and national daytime television talk show host to aligning with her calling as a shaman after a traumatic moment provided her awakening. Since then, her ability to share ancient sacred wisdom and divine energy and be a powerful catalyst for change ignited a global phenomenon, lauded by Forbes, Oprah Magazine, Huffington Post, Marie Claire, and more. Bringing ancient wisdom practices and traditions to the masses, Allison was the first person ever to perform on stage in the 25-year history of the HBO Film Festival, where she guided a shamanic journey for over 10,000 people. She was the meditation guide for the world's premier art show, Art Basel, shared tips and journeys on Amazon's Alexa, and so much more. Listen to this show if you're curious about what your power animal might be, you have no idea what a shaman is or does, but you're interested in learning and you are ready to heal. Ali, we are so excited to have you here today. So just so that our listeners can have a little backstory about us, we first met on a show you were co-hosting called The Juice. I'm like, do you even remember that, Ali? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Thank you for starting this interview with such a no pun intended juicy blast from the past. That is right. And I did not recall that that was our first meeting point. That was a good segment. Right? Yeah. So for anyone who's not familiar, Ali co-hosted a show called The Juice on Maria Living. It was a wellness daily national talk show. And I would come in and do these little yoga segments. So the very first time I got to meet Ali, it was on the juice, doing a TV segment, which was a departure from the next time we met in a much more intimate setting where our very dear friends brought us together for a ritual called Goddess Brunch. And at Goddess Brunch, Ali and I were sort of meeting, like getting to know each other with a small group of women. And at one point, we used to do like little get to know you games and things like that. And at one of them, Ali asked us all, to share our spirit animals. And even though Heidi here, I'm in the whole boo-boo world of yoga, you know, I've been entrenched in this for decades, I'd actually never been asked that question before. And I think I'm like 95% sure that I called on a dolphin simply because water is my Instacom. I had no idea how to answer. And I just love how they soar through the waves. So it feels supremely beautiful that we are here today talking about your book, Animal Power. Thank you. Wow. I That was, so, thank you for bringing that medicine in. That was so nice for me to reflect back to all of those chapters because I mean, that time that you just whittled it down to, I mean, it goes back many, many years. 
And it's so wild to think back to my time in New York City. I know that both of us, um, and Jamie, maybe you do too. I don't know if you had roots ever living there, but it was the birthplace of who I've become. I had my spiritual awakening in Brooklyn and my divine intervention in Brooklyn. And my entire life trajectory pivoted at that location. And then those times where, where you and I met is when everything was was happening for me. So um, I feel everything you shared very deeply. And yeah, to fast forward to having this animal power book and deck be birthed out into the world, it was, I can honestly say, uh, the greatest labor of of love of my life to write that book and deck and to get it out it was such an initiatory process and yeah so i'm i'm really enjoying where we began and, and thank you for all those reflections and thanks for being my friend for so many years thank you thank you thank you thank you so we are going to ask you about your journey and how it all began and how it evolved and all that but i want to clear something up for our listeners sort of right away so I mentioned the goddess bunch with the spirit animal, but your book is called Animal Power and you talk about power animals. Is there a distinction between those two things? Beautiful question. And I love that we're starting here. There are a ton of similarities and then there are a couple of differences. Um, To make it the simplest and most concise way of explaining Uh, Let me try to tune in because with shamanism, there are a lot of misconceptions and there are a lot of things that in my journey as a shaman and as an author and and as an educator, I've had to clear up. And there are just some terms that I personally have decided to reserve and set aside for indigenous only to utilize. And the term spirit animals is is one that I have placed into that category. I, you know, have worked with countless indigenous and non-indigenous teachers and elders and, you know, um, shamans from all walks of life from all around the world. And I have been bestowed, you know, permission from different Native American elders to utilize that term. However, Uh, It's just a personal choice that when it came down to it, I decided to to focus on my work with with power animals. The other uh, distinction is that with the power animals, they're primarily there to call upon to help support or empower you during different times in your life. So another somewhat uh, distinction between spirit animals and power animals is just the way that we evoke them, the way that we work with them. Uh, that's, That's kind of the most succinct answer that I can give at this time. Well, it's a good answer. I'm actually just going to circle back to the shaman thing. So you're talking about going and talking to all these shamans all over the place. I think that is fascinating for most people to hear. I'm like, I, I, I want to go talk to a, a bunch of different shamans. That sounds really fascinating. But then but then I think, what's a shaman? So mm-hmm. I know when I first found my way to your account, wasn't your Instagram handle Rockstar Shaman? And are you an actual shaman? And for our listeners who don't know, can you tell us what a shaman actually is? Um, well, I certainly wouldn't call myself a shaman if I wasn't actually a shaman. That would be okay. the... Uh, 
the biggest uh, no-no on the path. That doesn't mean other people wouldn't do it. (laughs) That's a good point, Heidi. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's true. So a shaman essentially is someone who uh, devotes their life to the shamanic path. And in doing so, um, in various ways, every single day devotes to walking with a foot in both worlds, both the seen and waking world here, planet Earth, Earth realm, and also the unseen realms and the unseen worlds. So I'm very much equal parts in both. I'm a a shaman who's very down to earth, very real. I come from the Midwest. I used to be a hip hop radio show host. I used to be a national champion athlete. I have a past that a lot of people can relate to and, and understand. But when I had my divine intervention and spiritual awakening moment on that particular day, a lot of my spiritual gifts got activated and turned on, including my clear audience gift. And after that wild day, which is a whole other story that, you know, if you want to get into, we can, but, um, after the veil lifted and I got out of all the previous denial and illusions that I had been living in, the next step that I chose, because when the veil lifted, I realized that I was not at all the person that, I thought I was, and the relationship that I was in was not at all the type of relationship that for almost 20 years I thought it was. So my life essentially got turned upside down. And in realizing all of those truths, my next big step was a surrender statement of speaking to my own soul, speaking to Great Spirit and Great Mother Earth and saying, okay, (laughs) I clearly am not at all who I thought I was. I'm ready to receive in your help. Show me the way. And the next big piece that I chose was the devotion and responsibility of heeding the messages that came in. And what ensued um, over the course of, you know, the last decade of of living in that manner um, was first healing myself. I was directed and guided to work with all sorts of healers, both in Eastern and Western modalities right out of the gate, I was guided to work with my aunt, who's a shaman. And that was where my power animal guides first entered in. Uh, And so I had no intentions to become a shaman. I had intentions only of healing myself and finally facing myself and doing all the deep shadow work. And in the years of doing that work, the truth of who I am finally had space and room to open up and to inform me and to express. And right when those medicines started to open up, I started to get visions sent my way of who I really am um, as a as a modern day shaman who blends the worlds of consciousness and media. And I started to be shown how I was to walk the path and how I was to help people return to these truths that we all have inside of us. And it was to be very front facing, very public, very much in the media. And, um, you know, it has not been a path for the faint of heart and it's bought countless and countless initiations and rites of passages along with it, including the instruction to call myself a shaman, because there are a lot of shamanic colleagues and friends that I have Uh, And we all walk the path incredibly different and uniquely, and that's by divine design. And a lot of my shamanic friends um, are covert shamans, and nobody knows that they're shamans except for them or maybe a few close friends. Others, colleagues, might call themselves shamanic practitioners. For me personally, um, this was not a choice of ego, and this was 
uh, an instruction that I was told that is part of my mission to hold the space for as a woman shaman. I'm here to hold that space for those energetics as a woman and as a shaman. And I, you know, I've, I have been integrity checking myself on that for, for more than a decade. I have absolutely zero issue if the divine tells me at any moment you did it, you held that space, that part of your mission is complete. You can go on about your life, not calling yourself anything or calling yourself an author or a seer. I'm fine with that at all times. Um, but so far, uh, that instruction has not relinquished. And so I continue, you know, to, to honor the instructions of the divine, which is my duty and my part of my oath and devotion as a shaman. And part of that is, is using that title. It's fascinating. You mind if I just follow up, Heidi? Cause mm -hmm. I just, that description was phenomenal. I just like the end piece of it, if you wouldn't mind, cause I think there's a lot of people, myself included, who just might not understand what exactly does it mean to be a shaman? Like if you're a doctor, you go into the hospital every day and you do surgery. When you're a shaman, obviously for you, you're an educator, you're an author, you're, uh, you know, what does it mean by and large to be a shaman? Well, it can mean a lot of different things because, um, and I'll, and I will get to answering your question, but as I said, you know, every single shaman that's incarnated, we're here to transmit different medicines, different codes, different teachings. We all walk a very unique path. Um, but for me personally, a lot of the teachings, um, that come through me is about, uh, living in devotion to facing yourself you know, and it's it's been interesting because our society, especially over here in the U.S., it's not really portrayed as fun or fancy or something that you want to put your time and energy to, to like freaking go on shamanic journeys and face, you, you know, go into the darkest caves and do the deepest shadow work and like drudge up all of that stuff and feel the feelings that you've probably been avoiding for 10, 20, 30 plus years. But I have found... Um, especially with the the responsibilities that I feel being a front-facing spiritual teacher and someone who guides, you know, masses. That's another unique distinction of my shamanic path is I can hold space for thousands. You know, one example is for the HBO Film Festival in Bryant Park in Manhattan. I was on I was the first person to ever go on stage um, to be in, invited to be on the stage before the movie screening. And I guided a shamanic journey for about 10,000 people. And then there are other healers and shamans where they're one-on-one -on -one and they're in their magic. And I can do that. I had a fellow shaman over here in my home yesterday and I guided him on a three-hour journey where we were cutting cords from various people. And I you know, to honor that I won't get into details, but I, I can occasionally, and I, I will occasionally do one-on-one -on -one work, but primarily my mission is to work on these grandest layers and levels of shamanism. I am called to go to certain locations. And while I'm there, oftentimes I won't even know why I'm supposed to go to Jerusalem or go to Bali or go to these different places. But while I'm there, these different shamanic activations happen where I'm there clearing out old paradigm energetics that 
are no longer meant to be here, that are no longer serving the highest, greatest good for humanity. And, you know, I can tell stories of specific examples of those, but for the Jerusalem and, and Israel and Masada story, it's a pretty wild one. But in a nutshell, uh, these energetics while I was on top of Masada began to rock through me to the point where I dropped my belongings and I began to wail these ancient wails that were not my own. And the two women who were with me weren't fully sure what was going on, but they were just holding space for me as these ancient cries were coming out for approximately five minutes. And when I thought I was gaining my bearings, they said, do you want to go sit down? And I was like, yeah, I need to, I, I need a minute. So we found a more private area. And as I sat down, there was another round that came in for me to clear. And once the clearing had happened on top of that location, I saw new golden energy lines coming in. And I was very clear that I had created enough space through the clearing that the new energies for the new paradigm had space to then enter in and anchor in on that location. And spirit spoke to me on that moment and said, and don't you ever let anyone tell you, you are not a shaman ever again. And so, you know, that, that's just one story and one example of, of what my, my path is like. But I mean, like I said, every single shamanic friend and colleague that I have, we share and teach and transmit the medicines incredibly differently. I, that's badass, by the way. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> it, was amazing, it was an amazing story. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I want to pivot a little from what we had planned, James. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but, I wanna, yeah. So many questions. I know, I, I know, those. I know. So I want to like circle back to a lot of things. But one of the things I actually flagged last night, um, Jamie and I had like a little pre-call, was the glossary in your book, hmm. which is amazing in and of itself like that on its own is its own piece its own standalone amazing work and i think that i think the general public doesn't probably know what any of those terms mean i think as somebody who's in the yoga world i know what a lot of them mean one of the ones i never heard like you know in yoga you're familiar with kundalini you're familiar with shadow work you're you know with a lot of those kind of things and jamie you know being somebody who's very open about the 12-step program both of us are familiar with a higher power. We wouldn't necessarily name it great spirit, you know, in our lineages, but maybe we would. But one of the things that fascinated me was the word that you used, and I'm sure it came from somewhere. It's interesting in yoga, you're taught, if you're in the like very serious lineages of yoga, you're taught that if anyone compliments you on your practice, on a pose, on anything related to yoga, your answer is to be by the grace of my teacher. Not thank you, not anything except for by the grace of my teacher. And I found it amazing how much you gave homage to all the people and you know traditions that you learned from. So I don't know if this is where this term comes from, but transmutation mm. really, really spoke to me. And I would love to hear a little bit about for our listeners and for myself, <laughs> what that means to you and where you learned about it. And perhaps do you think that it was a transmutation for you that put you on the shamanic journey? Ooh, it's a big one. Yeah. Yeah. You ladies are getting into the the hearty, the hearty meat of of everything, which is beautiful. Let me let me tune in to that question to see what wants to come through. Cause honestly, in 
the thousands and thousands of interviews I've done, because like I said, before I had my awakening, I was a radio and, and, and television host. No one's asked me this specific uh, transmutation question. So let me just see the examples and the answer that wants to reveal. Hmm. Yes. Okay. So it's a yes to, I think the two parts that you asked. Yes. Transmutation was a huge part of my own personal journey. Oh my God. There was within the nucleus that held my earth walk pre-awakening and also holds my earth walk post-awakening that I'm, that I'm in now within that whole sphere. Oh my God. Countless, countless examples of transmutation, um, including, you know, transmuting really deep uh, childhood wounds, including transmute, transmuting um, addiction energies. Uh, my The relationship that I was in that provided my awakening uh, was one that was shrouded and so much illusion, denial, suffering, pain, tons of codependency, which some people would classify as a relationship addiction on my end. And then on my previous partner's end, uh, he suffered from sex addiction and and other types of addiction that for 16 and a half years, I really kept the veil of illusion and denial staunchly um, across uh, across the, the third eye in myself. And I was just too terrified to face and look at any of those things. So yes, in my pivoting into the truth of who I am and facing and going into uh, the energetics of addiction, um, just to use that as one example, that was a, a huge transmutation portal for me. And I, I'll never forget, uh, you know, it was the addiction piece that provided my, my awakening specifically. I was guided to go into his phone and what I saw in there was, you know, really horrific and graphic proof of his sex addiction at play. And after I had my surrender moment and was willing to face all these aspects, darker aspects of myself and, and, and life, when I started to go into those areas of sex addiction at first, I could only begin to kind of enter in and then I'd have to remove myself because the darkness and the texture of sex addiction was so um, terrifying and, and scary for me. And so that kind of dance, but that devoted dance of me knowing I needed to get in there, I needed to fully understand um, those energetics on a deeper level, uh, that's that's one piece that helped free so much energy around me to the point where I'm now, ironically, uh, in an incredibly healthy, thriving marriage um, with my husband, whose name is Luke Story. And he has publicly told his story a lot of, you know, um, he's 25 or 26 years sober now, but his previous 25 years, uh, was he was a really severe addict with you know crack and heroin and 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 other things and so it's just it's been such an unexpected and really intriguing part of my journey to have to um, 
try to learn and and enter into some of those pockets of of human and earth life. So there was tons of transmutation there, uh, lots of transmutation that I think a lot of people can relate to around self-respect, self-love, self-honor, self-worth. If someone had, and then I'll I'll wrap this up because I know some of these answers are long-winded, but it's important that I really like flush everything through. Um, If someone had asked me, before my awakening, do you, do you have self-worth? Do you love yourself? I think without missing a beat, I would have said, yes, of course. Like, of course I, I, I value myself, but in my awakening, one of the, you know, um, harsher realities that I had to face was I had absolutely no self-respect and self-worth. I allowed my physical vessel, my own sacred physical body to be dishonored on a daily basis for nearly two decades, you know, through that sex addiction piece. And so, um, I mean, I could honestly tell days worth of, of stories when we get into this transmutation and alchemization zone of consciousness. Um, and, and honestly, this ties back into one of the questions, Jamie, that you asked around, like, what, how does your shamanism work or on these, on these bigger pictures? Like what is a shaman doing? I'm devoting to fucking facing all of life. I, I, I do not cut off, disconnect or shield or hide from any aspect. Shamanism is getting in healthy relation in relation to the totality in healthy relation to the oneness of the entire web of life. And that, you know, it requires um, really, really intense, intense work that, you know, it all, the irony is, like I said before, you know, people are like, oh, this doesn't sound like much fun. And I'd rather just like not do that shamanic stuff because who has time people for that? Allergic to hard work. Yeah. Or who wants to do that? But in my years now of devoting to all this nitty gritty stuff, that is what has opened me up to being able to experience true fulfillment and being able to experience genuine inner peace and genuine happiness. I could not have landed in those true areas had I not um, gone into facing the totality of life and not cutting off from anything. That. Well, when, so when you had mentioned earlier, you're like, oh, you know, cause it was in Brooklyn and that's where I had my awakening and my divine intervention. And, and then you kind of moved past that. So I'm trying to, could you walk us through that moment? Like you had this life where you were a hip hop radio DJ and now you are a shaman. So what I'm hearing is there was pain, there was relationship woes, there was a lot of self-awakening and then also having to reckon with the, the human foibles of others that brought you to this place of healing and then visioning and channeling and all of the things that you do. Was there one moment? Was it like a white light experience or was it over time that you had this awakening? What did that look like? It was primarily a one moment in time, like a snap of the fingers, a flip of a switch that forever changed, um, you know, and altered the course of my life. But blended with that one moment, which I'll explain in a bit more detail now, uh, blended with that when I look back in hindsight, oh my God, every aspect of myself for years was clamoring and trying like hell to get my attention, to wake me up. I mean, I was suffering from panic disorders and on and anxiety medication and had autoimmune disorders. And, and the other th- interesting thing 
is um, even when I was the hip hop radio show host, I, I was always innately drawn to the world of metaphysics and spirituality. So yes, it was a hip hop station, but I was having psychics as guests on the morning show. And I was doing dream analysis for the for the listeners who would call in. And even before that, you know, um, I, I was, re you know, studying palm reading and the healing power of colors and feng shui for years. I never really read any, you know, books other than books around metaphysics. So, you know, there, there was that aspect of my soul who, for all my previous awakening, pre-awakening years was trying to keep that, that essence alive inside of me. But I was also shoving it to the side because I'll never forget. I told my ex fiance in that previous relationship that woke me up that at one point that I was going to take some psychic courses and I could tell he was really uncomfortable with that. And so there were countless examples where I betrayed myself and I betrayed the callings of my soul to make another happy. And that was that codependent piece of constantly um, betraying my own soul's calling and mission because I could tell he was uncomfortable with that. I was like, oh, let's not take that psychic course anymore. So there was all those undercurrents happening that led to all of my guides realizing that I was not able to pluck myself out of these cycles of insanity that I kept spinning in for almost 20 years. And it led to this one day in Brooklyn where my ex um, we had called off the engagement. I had left Connecticut and moved to New York City by myself. Our relationship had been done, but that had happened a lot of times before. And where we were at in this day is he was at my place in Brooklyn and we had been pondering getting back together for the umpteenth time. And this day we were going to venture out publicly together again. And I went out to the living room to tell him, you know, we can leave in a couple minutes. I'm just finishing up some makeup. But he was, he was asleep on the couch, so I didn't wake him. And as I walked back through my bedroom, that's where I heard spirit speak to me for the very first time in my right ear. And that message was to stop and turn around. And when I stopped in my bedroom and I turned around, my eyes landed on his phone on my bookshelf. And I, I felt a shift starting to happen then. Um, and I could feel what I now know to be like the presence of a lot of my guides and archangels that were with me in that moment. And I walked over to the phone. I opened up his phone. I didn't previously know his code, but if you've ever heard of automatic spirit writing, there are some spiritual teachers who are authors who open up a channel and spirit will work through them. And it's not them writing the book and moving their hand or typing on the keyboard. It's spirit. And that's what happened to me with the phone because I didn't know his code, but my finger popped in numbers, his phone opened. And that's where I, you know, my soul and, and through the support of um, my guides got me to a place of readiness to face my greatest fear, which for somebody else, you know, maybe having this level of betrayal, uh, you know, maybe, you know, it would hurt them and they would cry for a week, but not that earth shattering for whatever reason, by divine design, this magnitude of betrayal was my greatest fear. So this phone pretty much represented that Joseph Campbell quote, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. The phone was that cave. I went in there. I saw, you know, like I said, really graphic proof. And when I was seeing all of this truth, that's when I could literally feel my egoic shell and the energetics around me like shifting, dismantling, changing form to the point where the energy was so strong, it woke up my ex 
And I didn't say a word. The energetics woke him up. He came into the bedroom and long story short, I, you know, asked him how could he do this to me, you know, asked him to leave and to never contact me again and, and, and to never come back. And it was after he left my place that I collapsed and, um, you know, was starting to process uh, the fears around everything and making doctor's appointments to go get myself checked because I always, all of a sudden feared for my health, knowing that there was all of this sexual activity, um, unbeknownst to me and thank God, you know, I was fine with all of that. And I booked a flight to go back to where I'm from in Indiana. And I stayed at my grandmother's house and in that back bedroom where I stayed, um, for about three weeks, I think, there were countless additional awakenings that I had back there and including life reviews where spirit was taking me to previous situations in life where I had then been living in denial, but they were showing me through the lens of truth. And so I just continuously um, had my, my world pretty, pretty rocked. And so, yeah, the ultimate pivot changer for me was that going into the phone and, and everything changed. Is, is that, where you, is that where animals came into the picture? Yes, exactly. Yes. They were, um, ascended master Jesus is my main guide. And that's how I refer to him as ascended master Jesus, because that's my relationship with him. And that's how I know him. I was not religious growing up. I didn't go to church and get to know Jesus. I, I know him as ascended master Jesus. So he quickly revealed as my main guide this lifetime. But then as I started to devote to my healing and facing myself, uh, and I was, told that I needed to um, have a soul retrieval healing session with my aunt, who is a shaman. It was in that soul retrieval journey that my core power animal um, entered in, which is a black jaguar. And then not long after that session, there were three supporter power animals, the bear, the deer, and the frog that came in. And, and you know, if you guys have my, my book or deck, I, mm -hmm. I can't remember if I got sent yeah. to you. Um, then you'll, you guys know that every single animal has different healing attributes, different wisdom teachings that they represent. Oh, speaking of animals, our little dog cookie just came in. <gasps> Hi, cookie. <laughs> she's a sweetheart. She's, she's, I tell her all the time. She's actually the most powerful healer in our family. Um, <laughs> you know, what's funny, Allie, and I'll, I'll tell you something funny. Cause, and I want to ask a question, um, on the back of this, Heidi, I don't know if I told you this, but. Paw Raid, which is a, a, a company that helped me get my dog. And so I'm so grateful because my dog, you know, everyone thinks their dog is the best dog in the world, but my dog is an angel on earth. No, no. Jamie's dog is such an angel that Alex wants, my husband wants to get the same dog. <laughs> and so I'm just so grateful to this company and they, they help source like ethical, like puppy. It's a whole thing that I really believed in. I was so grateful to them just for helping me get a dog in the right way that I wanted to do it. And I'll always be grateful to them. So I included them on this retreat that I'm doing coming up. And here's what's so cool about it. Um, I'm doing this retreat with uh, a man, Dr. Don Wood. He's a neuro, takes a neuroscientific approach around um, behavior change and trauma and all of these different things. And so I just kind of thought, okay, we'll have Paul Ray a part of it. We'll throw them a little love. They're a great company. And he was like, oh, Jamie, I don't think you understand. Like the, the, the hurts at which um, the brainwaves of a dog, they, they are in congruence with the earth. And when people say that, oh, dogs lower your blood pressure, they literally, proximity to a dog, 
can get you in congruence with the energy of the earth, and it can literally change your brain patterns and your brain waves. Okay, that's it. I'll say yes to a dog again. <laughs> I honestly, you know, because I I had been making the argument like, oh, there's great messaging here. It's a wellness tool, right? Having a pet has many wellness benefits. You get outside more, you're calmer, you're happier. He was like, oh, there's more than that. I said, oh, well, that's very interesting. So I have to ask you, I mean, look, you know, I understand why we should look to animals for, for, for signs and for lessons. I mean, I grew up, I'm a horseback rider and obviously I love my dog, but can you clue us in just like on a greater level? And so people understand mm -hmm. why do we look to animals to guide us through life and how does this exactly work? How do people kind of tap in with what their power animal is? Mm -hmm. Yes, I will get to that. And I just want to say, I, I love that teaching on the more medical side that you just shared. And it's, it's wild for me. And the um, healing shamanic session that I was saying I did just yesterday with a shaman friend of mine, it was really the only thing that I know he would be fine if I shared that I'll share with you now is in one of the most intense aspects of the, the three hour ceremony we were doing together. Cookie had been up in our ceremony loft with us the entire time. But at this precise point, she woke up from her nap and I know she was attuned energetically to what was going on. And she got down from the chair and came over and specifically nuzzled up to him in a specific way leaned into his chin, gave him a kiss, and then went to his second chakra and literally climbed onto his abdomen while he's mid-journey and stood like a billy goat on top of his second chakra. And that was the location at that exact time that we were clearing a cord and doing a lot of deep clearing with. And then once that clearing took place, she went and nuzzled up in between his legs as he was laying down and rested her chin on his thigh and stayed there for the duration of the healing journey. And she came in like, you know, as my assistant, you know, my shamanic assistant to help move a lot of that energy. And then we have a black Persian cat. And I know, I don't know the exact studies, but there've been studies with cat purrs, how it does the similar thing. Just the purring will change your entire energetic field. And, and I think brainwaves too. So you know, yes, there's that with the domesticated animals, but with power animals specifically, you know, you can liken them to any other genre or category of spiritual guides. You know, some people are really connected to the realm of the archangels, or some people are really into like Arcturians or Palladians or Syrian starseed energetics. And um, some people like myself, I actually work with a ton of different goddesses, um, goddess Anana, goddess Isis, goddess Anya. And, you know, these goddesses all represent different medicines that they're most known for embodying and helping to teach you how to embody. Goddess Isis is a lot of that fierceness and facing the darkness. Goddess Anya is more lightheartedness and love and, and heart medicine. So with the power animals, a good starting point, I think, is to explain yeah, how to get into a relationship with them. And there are a couple of ways 
One, and this isn't a shameless plug, it's just the truth. Like if you were to get Animal Power book and it features 100 different animals and you start to learn. And it's absolutely gorgeous. The illustrations are stunning. They are. And thank you for weaving that in because the artist, William Santiago, he passed away. These are his last works of art or these animals that live in this book. He was young. He lived in Brazil. And when he got done with Animal Power Project, he transitioned to the other realm. So I do always love to honor him and thank him because I knew he was the artist and I was very meticulous and particular about finding the exact person who could deliver the animals the way I needed them to be. And he was that person. Uh, so if you start to learn you know, what the black jaguar represents or uh, what the vulture represents, then you can learn, okay, I'm going through a major heartbreak right now, a super dark night of the soul divorce situation. Well, if you know that deer is the path of the heart and heart medicine, and that was a main guide for me and not letting me shut my heart down through that betrayal situation, then you can learn which animal to call upon to come into your life. You can call them in during meditation and ask them questions. I have a free shamanic journey on my website, um, alisoncharles.com slash animal power that anybody can get. And it's a drumming shamanic journey that I facilitate where you can specifically call in the current power animal who has a message for you. And in that journey, you get to receive whatever energetic medicine the animal wants to give. You get to have a conversation with it and you get to begin to understand how to deepen your rapport and deepen your relationship with them. The other important thing to um, be aware and cultivating the relationship is, like I said, having that awareness. It's conscious awareness of what animal is showing up during the course of a week if you're having a conversation and someone brings up ladybug and you turn on your television and there's a commercial that is somehow has ladybugs all over and then you you know go to water your plants and there's a ladybug in your plants. It's like, okay, hello, this guide is revealing, this guide must have a message for me. So you can either, you know, if you have your own spiritual practices, go into that practice and ask the animal yourself why it's showing up or go to a reference guide like the book or the deck and read about what are the teachings that Ladybug typically has. And they just help connect you with the fullness of life and get a deeper understanding of the magic that's all around us at all times. But oftentimes, you know, especially with animals, because they're also earthbound, they're not spiritual guides that are only in the other realms, just like the beauty of the sky or the beauty of trees and flowers, we as humans just acclimate and, and some of that stuff we just stop paying attention to. But animal guides are a huge reawakener of like being present to the mystical teachings and support that is around us at all times that we just have to remember to reconnect with. I have so many questions about this, but we have limited time. So I'm going to narrow this. <laughs> so I noticed the awareness piece in your book because you do repeat it and I, I love it. And the whole idea that like just being aware, noticing an animal that's repeatedly around you. And I, I just have a couple of things that I want to say slash ask about that. Number one, I had no idea that insects were considered animals in this context. You mentioned the ladybug. And I mean, I had no idea until I read your book that a gnat is like a power animal possibility. And when you talk about me personally, I've actually walked through a couple of gnat like things in on my walkways mm -hmm. last week. And I'm like, what are they doing here? It's winter, they're not supposed to be here. And I think they're gross. But now that I've read their meaning and their power and animal powers, I'm like, oh, they could be like a really good power animal. I really love that. So that's 
one piece of it is the insect part, because I don't know that many people know that insects are possibilities, right? Yes, yes. And then the other part is, so, you know, I talk about those gnats. It might be like something in the, you know, environment, or it might be a power animal speaking to me. I also had a frog infestation in our pool this summer. I live in a deer filled location. Like, so does that make frogs and deer my power animals because they were ever present? Or is it just the location? Like, how do you know the difference? Okay. Okay. Yes. Beautiful. So with, I'm so glad, firstly, that you brought up the gnat example, because I have encountered that so many times, even from close friends who are also spiritual teachers, but they don't walk the shamanic path and shamanic medicine specifically just isn't their lane or forte. Even they oftentimes, you know, if I'm doing a live reading for them or if they've taken my journey and like an animal that they don't really like and they kind of get a little nose cringy around, they're just like, oh, but I don't like the shark. I don't want the shark. And I'm just like, well, maybe that's exactly what you need then. Like, do you even know what the shark represents and with where you're at in life, it actually could be the most beautiful enriching guide for you. And so speaking of, you know, that transmutation kind of alchemizing energy, that is really a big piece that's at the heart of working with power animals. And I won't get into the story because it's a little long, but I'll just say that leeches were that example for me. And in fact, I had leech therapy done by this renowned Austrian leech therapist in Brooklyn when I was living in, I know your face, that was my face too. It was Both that exact- of our faces, Jamie's and mine. <laughs> Fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I, I was really guided to go have leech therapy done. And I honored that call and found that this guy happened to live in Brooklyn. And you can actually watch a video. I mean, it's so many years old, but it still lives on YouTube somewhere. Maybe if you Google Allison Charles leech therapy, I would guess it would show up. You can watch me meeting them for the first time and you can actually be witness to this exact medicine that we're talking about. They were the greatest teacher for me of, of what alchemy is, of shifting from fear to love. The leeches were my greatest teacher for that because I went in terrified, that cringy look on my face. You know, I'd never really seen one in person and they are really slimy and gooey and the way that they move is a little intriguing. And when he brought out a jar that literally had hundreds of leeches in them, and I knew that a bunch of them were about to be placed and attached on top of my liver, I was in a somewhat of a meltdown, but I held the line and stayed the course. And after, as he was attaching the leeches to my upper abdomen, right above where your, your liver is, when they attached and they have hundreds of teeth in their circular valve mouth, and those teeth, let me tell you, you can feel when they attach. And what's beautiful about them is there, I just started to feel their care and their love. And they secrete hundreds of healing enzymes into you. And they start to extract the lymph from you that needs to be extracted so that this detoxification process can happen. And when we were literally attached to one another, I felt their love. I felt their energy. I felt their care. And I started to cry and I had this whole massive real-time alchemy moment. So I think that those are cool stories to tell um, that just help people open up to, you know, there might be an animal that presents that you don't initially like, but you might end up loving it. I love leeches now. The second part of what you brought up. Okay, right. With the frogs and the deer. So there are a couple things to keep in mind. I think it's interesting. P.S. My neighbor didn't have a single frog in her pool. Yeah. Just let me put yes. that there too. 
That is exactly where I was leading um, to this investigation and exploration is you want to take a look at, yeah, what is this animal doing? Were they mating? Like what was going on? Do you know what were they, were they singing loudly at night? Like what was happening? No. So, and it was actually a little disturbing because there would just be like five, seven to 10 dead little frogs in our pool because Mm. the chlorine kills the frogs every morning. So I had to figure out a way to keep them out of the pool. And I can't tell you how many frog blogs I read. And um, I finally figured it out. It took a while. I tried coffee grounds around the pool because their feet don't like them. I tried vinegar on the pool deck, which washes away every single night because their feet don't like them. So they'll stay away. And ultimately, I bought faux lily pads so that once they were in the pool, they could actually jump back out. That is so sweet. So I will just be honest and tell you what dropped in for me as I heard you sharing that. It was more of a teaching around the frogs being your guide as the empress, as the, what's the word that's wanting to come in, as the guardian of the land that you're on. The frogs were being a great guide for you to attune to your property to, excuse me, I feel a burp coming on, but to attune you to, to the land that, that you're living on because Frogs there's some burp all the time. That's so interesting. Oh, that, that is very right interesting. There. interesting. Had a little, had a little frog rivet trying to, trying to come in. <laughs> did you find, I'm just curious, Heidi, in that process, either in real time or as we're talking now and looking back in hindsight, did that experience like anchor you more fully into where you're living? Did it bring you into greater presence of your your yard, your property? Like, did it bring you into greater presence and awareness of, of where you're at? It didn't occur to me at the time, but absolutely. And it was also, you know, the word desperation keeps popping up. I don't want to say it was that dire, but like I was desperate to not see these frogs die. So I really wanted to save them. I know that sounds ridiculous. So yes, it did. It was part, yeah, I wanted to keep the property thriving and alive. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, like any sort of kind of rite of passage like that or initiation or teaching, whatever we want to classify it as, um, there's a piece wanting to come in. Hang on one second. Let me find it. Yeah, I think the last little offering that that I feel wants to come through is is this piece of you getting into deeper integration with honoring the the nature of your land and I would be curious. My invitation to you if it resonates would be for you to maybe take some time this week to go out in your yard to be near that pool to just close your eyes for a moment to thank the frogs for being your guide to bringing you into greater presence for this home that I know you guys have worked so hard to cultivate and renovate and actually land and and live in. And C, ask the nature, ask the energetics of the land that you live upon if there's anything else that they want you to know, if there's anything else that needs to be tended to, because I feel like it was an invitation for you to get really attuned to the communication of the pieces of nature that are on your property. I know that when I did this exact process, there was a tree in our yard that I honestly, it makes me sad to even say this, 
but I literally didn't even know that she existed. And when I was in this brief meditation and asked, is there any piece of nature on this land that has a message for me that needs more love? I saw the vision and I heard this tree being like, no one ever pays attention to me. I haven't had a hug or a conversation in years. And I was like, what tree even is this? When I opened my eyes, I looked over and I was like, oh my God, I'm guilty of this same thing. I have never acknowledged that tree. And I went over to it and I touched it and I thanked it and I, you know, really got present to its texture and its beauty. And I could feel its, you know, gratitude for feeling acknowledged for the first time in so many years. So, you know, you're a spiritual woman and I know you're very earthly too, but I, I just feel like it's a greater invitation for you to get into uh, bigger communication with your, with your land. I will absolutely do that. Thank you. You're welcome. We have to wrap, but I can't tell you how much you have just like literally turned my perspective of how I walk through this world on its head. Mm -hmm. Like, honestly, Allie, like I have tears in my eyes because that's rare is, for Jamie. Yeah. Because first of all, the leech story got me because it's, you know, the, the, the leeches are great, but your ability, I'm, I'm so intrigued and, and delighted by your ability to walk through this world in uh, the realization uh, and the presence and the mindfulness to have a moment like that hit you the way that it did. And it's so rare. And so many of us live and die without ever having something like that. And it came in the form of leeches. I mean, it was not, you know, and you also just reminded me that I've lived in this house that I love so much for two years. And I don't think I've once ever walked around my property and thanked the property that I appreciate and love so much. And I owe that to my property, but I owe that to myself too. So thank you for that awareness. I mean, it truly is a life-changing perspective. Mm, thank you for being open and willing to receive me and to, you know, truly be witness to who I am, you know, because it's in your willingness to do that, that you allowed yourself to be open to have these additional illuminations and, and realizations. And there's no greater reward, if that's the best way of putting it, for me than to know that when we wrap on this interview, I know you're going to go out to your yard and you're going to have a moment of connection with the love and light guardians of your land and with all the different aspects of nature and to know that you're getting in sync with that harmonious and reverent connection, like that's far more gift and reward than anything else I can imagine. So thank you. And I really do honor the way that I have walked this path. And I just, I thank you for that reflection and speaking that out loud. And I really revere the human side of me just as much as I do the shaman side, because we're here on earth to be a human and we're here specifically to learn and evolve infinitely, which I do. So I'm never one to try to portray myself like I don't make flubs or flaws or have mistakes. But what I fucking do do really well is fucking face it and I own it and I learn from it and I transmute it and I alchemize it and I become better and I become better and I become better and I do it fucking relentlessly with complete devotion. And I have been in the shamanic and spiritual world for many, many years, and I have met countless spiritual teachers from all walks of life. And I have to say, 
you know, there are a lot of spiritual teachers and leaders out there that do not walk the talk and they are not healthily embodied and they are actually causing a lot more harm and trauma than healing in the world. And I am really fucking proud of myself for the way I walk this path and the integrity that I have and how I choose to fulfill the calling that I have. So thank you for picking up on that and, and who I am. Allie, you don't know this. But this is the first interview of our brand new season, our rebooted off yeah. the gram. We just did it. We just released a two part series of a full reboot where we like tore down all the boundaries, all the veils and got really real. And yeah. we got back to the idea that we created this show because the onset, we were all, you know, influencers on Instagram and I was doing air quotes for our listeners, however you like to see it. And we, re it was very important to us to separate the actual real deal from all of the fakeness that exists on Instagram. So what you just mm -hmm. said, it just encapsulated, Jane, don't you feel like it encapsulated everything yeah. that we were going for this season? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. It's amazing. A hundred percent. You know what? This wasn't an accident. No, no. Uh, that no. you're our guest today. And Heidi's been speaking to you about it for some time. Yes. But it was not an accident that it happened today. Not even a little. So Let's wrap this with our very last segment, which we like to call Karma Call. Jane. Karma Call. Thanks for singing it, Jim. <laughs> so you know this, but karma is the Sanskrit word for action for any listeners tuning in for the first time. So we ask all of our amazing inspirational guests for one small actionable item that our listeners could try on for a week or two that would yield a large result. So small action, big result. Mm. Okay. Something entered in while you were saying, but I just want to dip in, feel in for one moment to see if anything else shows up. Okay. I have two options. I'm going to go with the most simple one because I have found and walking this path that the most profound and powerful spiritual rituals and things to do that create the most powerful change are actually the simplest. It does not need to be so complex. My actionable, simple step for the listeners to invite you into, and if it resonates, I hope you lean in and actually say yes, is upon waking in the morning, before you get on your phone, before you get out of bed, as your eyes are awakening, as your eyes are opening, the first thing you do is place your left hand on your heart and your right hand on your lower belly. And you just simply ask your own heart, my beautiful heart, how are you this morning? Is there anything you want me to know? How are you feeling? And just simply get in communication and connection with your own heart. That's it. I can't think of a better piece of advice. I can't think of a better thing to do. I never do that. What a, what a simple, smart thing that we should all be doing. And thank you for that. So before we let you go, can you let all of our listeners know where they can find your book and where they can find you on the gram? Yes, you can find Animal Power Book and Animal Power Deck anywhere books and decks are sold. I believe it's, I'm not sure when this interview will air, but at this speaking moment time, uh, I think it's on 20% off on Amazon if you want to get it there. You can get that free Animal Power Shamanic Journey on my website, which is allisoncharles.com. And Allison is A-L-Y-S-O-N. And uh, Instagram, I am at I am Allison Charles. And you can also learn more about me and other spiritual teachers on my Ceremony Circle podcast. 
fabulous. Thank you so much for joining us and thank you everybody at home for tuning in. We invite you to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. Don't forget to follow us on the gram at Off the Gram Podcast. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you.